You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. Once again, a very warm welcome to all of you. Excuse me. Um, this is our third service, and I'll tell you what, every single one I'm getting more excited about Jesus. And um, we really do love him and, and honor him. And uh, some of you guys are family, and you traveled from afar, and, and some of you guys, maybe you saw the ad on the website or something, and so we're just so happy that you're here tonight. I'm going to share just for a few minutes. Uh, we're in a series in the book of Romans. So Romans is a, a tough book theologically for a lot of people. There's a lot of very deep uh, concepts and truths in there. In fact, Peter even mentions it. I was reading in First Peter yesterday, and he says, you know, Paul, he says some stuff that's a little bit difficult to understand, but I want you to know, and so he explains another uh, perspective of it. Uh, but we started in September. We'll be finishing up right around Easter and uh, we decided not to do a special Easter series this year in December, I mean Christmas series in December, because it all fit right in. Like last week, it was Jesus came at just the right time. And so uh, tonight, I would just want to share uh, this passage in chapter 5, and it's actually a beautiful description of the reason uh, that Jesus came uh, to live among us. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts. Your word says that you'll lead us and guide us in all truth, and we take you at your word, God, and we trust you for encouragement and strength right now. Starting in verse 15, Paul, uh, Paul says here, there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. Now, sin is a, is a tough word for some people. Uh, it's, a, it's a concept. It's, it's not that difficult. The Greek word is mart- martus, which means miss the mark. So if I have a bow and arrow, and I'm shooting at a target, and I miss the, the bullseye, I've martoused, I've, I've missed the mark. And so all human beings have missed the mark of God's holiness and God's perfection. That's what sin means. So God is sinless. He's perfect. He's holy. And so we are not. And so Adam had this relationship with God. He walked with God every day. And, and you'll notice here that, that uh, Paul is referring to Adam as a fact, not a story, but it's a fact. And the Garden of Eden is a fact. And that's when sin entered the world. And when Adam's sin, uh, sin, w- sin entered the world, and uh, the result of sin was death. And then that death spread to all humanity. And that started with this sin of Adam. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through his, this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. Now, what Paul is saying here is contrasting Adam and, and Jesus. Adam, through one man, sin entered the world. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I got really ticked at Adam. You big knucklehead. You had it so perfect. You walked with God every day in the, in the Garden of Eden. You, you had perfect fellowship with God, and you blew it. You had one rule to follow, and you couldn't do it. What is wrong with you? 
Nobody else ever thought of that, all right? I thought of it for you then. But here's the thing. If it was Steve in the Garden of Eden, I probably would have done the same thing. All of us would. It took Jesus, Almighty God, stepping out of eternity into time and space so that we could know God. The Bible says that God is spirit. And and he's unknowable. He's infinite. So God Almighty stepped out of eternity and became a human being so that we could know what God's like. If you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. Listen to the things he said. And that's how Jesus said, if you know me, you know the Father. That's how we know who God is. So God came to be one of us, to live among us, and live a sinless, perfect life so that he would be an acceptable sacrifice uh, for us. So as Westerners, we don't really like the fact that Adam was chosen for us, right? I didn't vote for Adam to be there. I grew up in a family with seven kids, and if one of them chose the dinner, we go, wait a minute, we didn't choose that. Like this, or maybe you've had a union rep choose something for you that you didn't want, or a congressman, or whatever. But Paul goes on to say, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. And here is the key phrase in this whole section, for all who receive it, for all who receive it, will live and triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. So sadly, not everyone receives this gift, this free gift that Jesus paid for, offered to us because they haven't received it. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called the children of God. On Thursday night, I didn't do this because it would have been too expensive, but on Thursday night I held up a $20 bill and I said, Now here's a $20 bill for anybody who would receive it. And that's what we did. We had somebody come up and receive it. God's extending a free gift of eternal life, of, of, of uh, being declared righteous and holy before Him. We're, we're set free from the bondages of sin and death. He's extending this gift, but it's not yours until you receive it. Take it. So, I think that's a great thing. He said, not everybody receives it, though. That's kind of sad. You know why? Because God's given us a will. It's this thing called a will. Some people call it a free will, and technically, a better word for it is called a will, because free will means that you gave yourself the will, and God made us, so he gave us a will. He chose to give us a will. I think that's a great thing. So here we are in our little kingdom. We're sitting on the throne of our life. God put us there. It takes a person to willingly step off the throne of his life and invite Jesus to be Lord. That's what that is. Isn't that amazing? So... Going back to verse 1 again, we did this one a couple weeks ago. Paul says this, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. This is why Jesus came, so that we would have peace with God. It's an amazing thing. Jesus came to this earth to die. He came to this earth to pay the penalty for your sin, for my sin for the sin of every human being who ever lived, so that we could have real life and so that we could have peace with God. There's a lot of ways we lose our peace in this world. A lot of people lose their peace during a holiday season like this because 
Maybe they're lonely. Maybe they don't have family. Maybe a loved one has passed away. Maybe any number of reasons to lose our peace. But I'll tell you what, just look at the newspapers. Look at the news. There's a lot to be worried about. There's wars and there's, there's famine and there's earthquakes and there's disagreements and there's broken relationships and there's, there's a whole lot of people out there that have just kind of gotten discouraged about life in general. It's an amazing thing to lose your peace. But Jesus came so that we would have peace and oftentimes Christmas is known as a season of peace. They say that even in World War, World War I on Christmas, the guys would be in the trenches, the, the soldiers from England and from Germany or France and Germany, they'd, they would get out of the trenches on Christmas Day and come out to no man's land and they played soccer together and they uh, traded uh, uh, gifts and they sang Christmas carols. It's amazing what Christmas does. A lot of times people are just nicer on Christmas. I'm not quite sure why that is, but it's a season uh, of peace. Terry and I are going to travel to Houston tomorrow. We do that every Christmas to go see our kids. I'll tell you what, the the airports are about as busy as you'll ever see them, but everybody seems to be just a little bit nicer on Christmas. Uh, There actually is a reason for that. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. That's the cry of the human heart. Peace. It's in Christmas songs. John Lennon's War is Over. Kelly Clarkson sings, I'll Risk It All. There's just this longing for something more. I'll bring you tidings, good tidings of comfort and joy. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. People are looking for peace, but what is peace? True peace is not the lack of conflict between people, but the lack of conflict between people and God. So true peace that people are longing for is only possible with God. And that comes, peace with God comes when we look to Jesus. In Romans 5, 1, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, the Lord, has done for us. So true peace is not a temporary ceasefire. True peace is lasting and and real. And it only comes from God. (coughs) That's peace with God. A lot of times we try to make peace with God on our own terms. But it's peace with God on His terms, what He declares to be right. And then have you ever wondered about the peace of God? That in the middle of a storm, you could have a life that seems to be falling apart and, and you have perfect peace and your friends go, how could you be so calm in the middle of this storm? And you say, because I have the peace of God on me. And Paul says what that is in Philippians chapter 4, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I firmly believe that you will never have 
the peace of God until you have peace with God. When you say yes to Jesus, come and rule my life. I want to follow you. I want you, please, God, to forgive my sin, to make me a new creation, like your word says. And I know that I can't earn that. Jesus paid that price. It's a free gift for me, but it cost him a lot. And so, back to Romans 5, verse 1. Paul gives us a little pattern here. He says, because of what Jesus has done. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. He died in my place. He rose again on the third day. That's the good news. He's coming back for us. Because of that, we've been made right. This is a big deal. When we say yes to Jesus, when we ask him to forgive our sins, he declares us righteous. That means we have right standing with God, that we are holy. That's amazing to me because I know very well that I've sinned. I don't want anybody playing a video on my forehead of my last 24 hours of thoughts. Do you? You know, you're talking to your friend who you thought something about two hours ago and they go, it starts going dee 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 like a cross here. We know we're sinners. We know that we desperately need a Savior, and that's why Jesus came. But when God says you're righteous, you're righteous, even though you know that you're a sinner. I, that is just is amazing to me. Like they got in the video, like this. I know I'm a sinner, but God declares me righteous. It's like on that movie with Heath Ledger, Knight's Tale, where he's a usurper. He's pretending like he's nobility. He's not. And then the king's son comes in and, and says, my, my uh, historians have discovered that he's from an ancient royal line, and he knew he wasn't royalty. And so he goes, this is my word, and you can't contest this. So God says to you, you're my child, and I declare you to be righteous. And you can't contest that. And so don't go bringing up that stuff anymore. I declare you righteous. Because of what Jesus has done, we've been made righteous, and then we have peace with God. I love that. So how do we have peace with God? Very simply, we believe. First of all, we believe. Not just a, a light you know, assessment or a light agreement, oh yes, there's a God, oh yes, I believe that there was a Jesus. No, it's really believe, really trust, really rely on Him. Believe in Him as much as you believe that that chair would hold you up tonight when you sat on it. You had faith that that would hold you up. You didn't know that Logan or Paul didn't come in here and unscrew some of those screws and just like this. They're waiting to yeah. video, post it on YouTube or something. But you had faith that you put your trust in it. So we really believe in Jesus. Then we surrender our life to him. Then we receive. Lord, I believe and I receive this gift that you're offering me. This gift of, by faith of righteousness. And then I choose to follow you, God. For the rest of my life, I want to follow you. So, Jesus is the reason for the season. That's true. In fact, if you drive up my street, you're going to see a big 4 by 8 sign that says Jesus is the reason for the season. Just in case any of our neighbors miss it from us, we've got those bright lights on there. And this year, it's way cheaper because I have bought some LED floodlights instead of the incandescent floodlights. It's like a 50th of the cost. So I can have it on all the time. And so... 
It's true that Jesus is the reason for the season, but listen very carefully. More true is you're the reason for the season. John 3.16, the most beloved verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world, it's you and that's me, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, that is a broad invitation. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He came for you. He came out of heaven. He gave up his glory. He gave up all his privileges, his rights and everything because he loves you. To live as one of us. I think that's amazing. Some people have heard the phrase a sinner's prayer. There really is no sinner's prayer in the Bible. There's a whole bunch of sinner's prayers in the Bible where people said yes to God, submitted their lives to God. I believe the shortest sinner's prayer in the Bible is Zacchaeus' prayer. He said, Lord. Once he said the word Lord, everything from that moment on in his life changed. He gave away half of his wealth to the poor. And if he stole anything from it, he paid back three times as much. And then he went on to actually plant churches all through the coastline of the Mediterranean after that. His life was forever changed. So you may have heard the term sinner's prayer, but it basically goes something like this. And I'm going to pray a prayer, and it's going to be up on the screen. And if you say it in your heart, and you've never said it before, and really meant it, you'll become one of God's children. And I, I don't know for sure. It's between you and the Lord. It's if you really believe what you're saying. The Bible says that when you say yes to Jesus, you pass from death to life. You go from darkness to light. Your sins are forgiven and you're set free. And the blinders come off and you begin to understand the things of God and see the things and see what God has done for us. I encourage every single person, whether you said yes to Jesus years ago or not, just say this in your heart again. Dear God, I believe in you. There's a lot of things I don't know about you, but I know you're there. I believe Jesus came to die for the sin of the world, my sin. Please forgive me. I receive you now. Please lead my life from this point on. I give myself totally to you. Thank you, God. For sending Jesus, thank you for saving me, and thank you for making me your child. Amen. Amen. If you just did that for the first time, honestly, you're a new creation in in the Lord. If you have any questions about that, we got some people up at the front afterwards when we're done. We'd love to pray with you or answer questions that you have. Now, when confronted with this, Thomas, who had been a doubting apostle, he said, my Lord and my God. That's my prayer, that we will follow him wholeheartedly. Amen. We're going to light some candles now. Kids, you've been great this service. And uh, we're going to sing, O Come, O Ye Faithful, in a moment. And uh, it's something that will be a memory for a long time. And so we're going to start shutting down all the lights. And we're going to leave these four on last. And I've got my candle lighter helpers here. And... uh, in just a moment, parents, it's going to get, go completely uh, dark uh, for about 30 seconds before we light the lights. So hold on to your kids so they don't get lost. You're not going to be able to find them. If they get, if they get loose, you're not going to be able to find them. And uh, so let's shut all the lights out. Long time ago, in eternity, 
when there was pretty much nothing out there, the voice of God, because he wanted to, not because he needed to, the voice of God said, let there be light. So there was light. And I'll tell you what, that one candle in a dark room will make all the difference. Sometimes we, we think that, oh, there's a lot of bright candles around here. There's a lot of Christians around. There's a lot of people shining for Jesus. What difference does my light make? I want to tell you that your light makes all the difference when it's darkest. When you're around people who may not know the love of God, may not understand those things, that's where your light can be held up high and shine brightly. We could actually get around in here on one candle power. But Jesus never intended for us to hold on to the good news ourselves. He wanted us to spread the good news. He wanted us to share the light that Jesus said with everybody else. And so, as we begin, these guys are going to go down and start lighting candles, and then you'll pass it on to the person next to you. I'm going to read you this verse. Jesus said in John 8:12. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus came as light. And we know what light does. It dispels the darkness. And when the light is on, we begin to understand things and see things that we never knew were there before. But the wonderful thing about this Christmas season is this perfect opportunity for us to share the love of Jesus, to share the generosity of God with those in our influence. Let's sing together. Oh, come all you faithful.